He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And we tell you everything that's going on. And, and like I said, even the KGB listens to find out what's going on. We have Judge Richard Weinberg, common sense uh, Democrat, Tony Carbonetti. How do I classify you? Not common sense. Not, Not common sense. <laughs> I'm right down the middle, though, John. Right down the middle. For, <clears throat> former chief of staff to uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and uh, uh, he was there when the towers came down. Uh, and uh, Peter King, there's rumors around that King's Highway was named after his family. And uh, Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> See, we got a reference. I thought King, King Charles was named after him. <laughs> Can we talk about how good no, John I mean, Katzmatidis looks we right talk now? We talked about Governor Patterson the other day. Governor Patterson the other day that uh, uh, Patterson, New Jersey might have been named. <laughs> I'll buy that. John, you didn't hear us. We we have to talk about how good you look. What? You, I, I look just changed you. my I'm, red tie into a black tie. I'm going to post, a, I'm gonna post a picture. You look very dapper. Well, Lydia Serrani, who do we have on the phone? We have a great show today. We have... Uh, we have Bill O'Reilly, and we have... We're going to have uh, Secretary, former Secretary of State, former CIA Director Mike Pompeo. We'll also be talking to John <laughs> Solomon, Ray Tierney, talk about the drug crisis at the border. Uh, Frank Carone, did I say Frank Carone already? Frank Carone, Chief of Staff to uh, Mayor uh, Adams. Mayor Adams. Well, and now, tell us about who's on first. Now, Bill O'Reilly. Who's on first base? That's right. Bill O'Reilly, prolific author, journalist, historian, his killing series, killing the New York Times bestsellers list in, uh, what, 20 million books sold. His latest book, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Against Terrorists, very timely at this point. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Bill O'Reilly. And Thank you, Lydia. Bill, uh, where do week... we start today? There's so many things happening. Yeah, well, one week from today, Killing the Legends, the next killing book comes out. I just want to make sure all the WABC listeners are aware of that. Um, so this morning I get uh, newspapers delivered to my house on Long Island, and Newsday is one of them, and on page A7, there's a big article on uh, how the Republican candidates are um, in jeopardy if they associate with Donald Trump. And there's a big picture of Lee Zeldin shaking Trump's hand four years ago in West Hampton. So I said, well, okay, uh, in some cases that may be true if Republicans are running for office today, and they're associating with Donald Trump in certain states, they might uh, hurt themselves. So on page A8, I was expecting an article that said uh, certain Democrats running for office don't want Joe Biden to campaign for them. But alas, there was no article in Newsday saying that. So I put on my Sherlock Holmes hat. And I said, gee, I wonder why Newsday would run this article but not run a corresponding article uh, about the Democrats. And I think we all know the answer. Newsday and almost every other newspaper in the state wants Governor Hochul to be elected. And that's why they are doing this. But it's kind of foolish because Donald Trump has nothing to do at all with the uh, election for governor in November. Or am I wrong? You're not wrong. You're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, but it does have something to do psychologically. So long as we're attacking Biden, we win. Once Trump comes in and becomes 50-50 and our chances of winning big get reduced. 
Well, he makes himself but the issue. Tuesday's responsibility is not we, Congressman. What's that now? Newsday's responsibility. Oh, Newsday's totally phony. Newsday is a fraud. I'm just saying Trump is hurting us right now. Okay. Well, then we'll deal with that in a minute. But Newsday's responsibility is to its readership across the board, not to we, unless Newsday wants to become a left-wing journal, which some people believe it already is, now getting to Trump. So in certain states, Donald Trump is a help. And certain states, he is a hindrance. But in the journalistic community, that shouldn't matter. What should matter is who's the best candidate for your state? Who's going to problem solve in your state? Or am I wrong again? You're right, but Newsday has never been has never done the right thing as far as I know. Or well, actually, they endorsed me once. I'll give him credit for that. No, but, no, but <laughs> so they did it once. So you were running on a post. I mean, they go out of their way to undermine Republicans. What did they say? Wrong clock is right, right. twice a day. So there you go. I mean, they've they've not written a negative story on Kathy Hochul yet. No. So why why would anyone then take Newsday seriously if they're living in a state with the highest taxes in the union, if inflation? is running over 8%, and crime is wildly out of control in the big cities and in the suburbs. So why would they take Newsday seriously if Newsday will not address those issues in any meaningful way? Bill, it's Tony Carbonetti. Did Newsday have a story on my favorite story of the weekend, the Axe Man in McDonald's? No. Who was out of jail? Or actually was was out in a number of hours. In right? custody, Never, right. Did not spend the night in jail. And then he gave an interview to Channel 7 Eyewitness News where he explains himself and said, listen, you know, I carry it because I'm a bike messenger, the tomahawk, because I need it to ward off drivers when they come too close to my bike. Oh, Bill, you saw the video, right? Yes, I saw it. He takes out an axe. He terrorizes everyone in the store. And he's out yeah. of not even spend the night. That's it. No. Every legislator should get a copy of that video and said, what if your kid why? was in that McDonald's? Why would they, why would you waste your postage sending a legislator <laughs> that video? That's true. They, a, it, know, they know what's happening. Everybody knows what's happening. But a significant segment of uh, the voters in New York do not care. It is so sad. What, if they cared, then have, uh, Lee Zeldin be ahead by 10 points, right? At least. Yeah. Well, no, we have September and October. And our job is to tell the truth. Our job is to get the bugle out there and, and, and let everybody know uh, whom do you trust to keep you safe after the election. And but, let the people decide. But, Bill, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. What I don't understand is why don't the people care? That's what just blows my mind. Why isn't there an uprising against this lawlessness that's going on in the city and state of New York? Because it's not directly affecting them like the people in Martha's Vineyard. It's fine as long as it's not in their backyard. It does directly affect them, Lydia. You're wrong. Uh Uh-oh. Because Uh most of this crime is in the poor neighborhoods. Oh, absolutely. I wrote a column column where everybody can go to BillOReilly.com and read the column. It's called Crime No Punishment. And it's not just about New York, about nationwide. And so the people who are getting hurt the most are the poorest urban people. That's where all of this is centered. Yet you are absolutely correct, Tony. There is no uprising about it. Now, if there were a, a 
white police officer going to Brownsville or the Bronx and beating the hell out of an African-American. Oh, forget it. That'd be the end of it. There'd be riots. Demonstrations against the police officer. Even if the cop had been attacked first. And so then you have to ask the uh, question, are people getting the government they deserve? All right? So if you look throughout history, um, in almost every horrible circumstance, the people let it happen. They let Hitler happen. They let Stalin and Mao happen. The people let it happen. And now in New York State, we're letting Kathy Hochul happen because she could stop this with an executive order today. But just to, cl- not to. remove just, one district attorney, the rest will fall in line. But just to clarify, when I say that it doesn't affect them, I'm talking about the people that write those articles. I'm talking about the legislators, oh. because as a reporter, that's you. You're a reporter, you know, Bill. You're out on the streets. Not, you're in those neighborhoods. They want more cops. They're sure sick they and tired sure of these do. radical leftist policies. Well, then, no, no, no. I disagree with you again, Lydia. And it's breaking <laughs> my heart, because I want to agree with Lydia on everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Now, I'll tell you who we have on later on uh, on this show. We have Ray Tierney, the district attorney of uh, Suffolk County, and he makes things happen in Suffolk County. You live uh, in Suffolk County part-time, and uh, uh, you should listen to what he has to say. He has ways of getting the uh, getting the law and order done in Suffolk County. I live in Suffolk County Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you live in Suffolk County Saturdays and Sundays, and um, that, that people should listen around, uh, uh, hang Tierney, around, and listen. Tierney is being very creative. He's being very very aggressive. creative. Well, Bill O'Reilly was just about to agree with me again, so Bill O'Reilly—that's <laughs> why John cut him off. <laughs> he's like, agree with you. Yeah. No, no, he's, he's on. Dis- he's on. He's I don't cut off Bill O'Reilly. No, no, he's I'm on. Joking. I look forward to his nine o'clock show. You know what? You the know number what one like show at nine o'clock. I know. I like. It. Yeah, and it's a really good one tonight. Tell us. Really tell us about the show tonight. Well, well before I do that, um, a suggestion for a guest tomorrow. Tell us. So, I would like to hear from two ministers powerful ministers in the minority neighborhoods. Maybe you get one in Harlem. Maybe you get one in Brooklyn to come on and answer a very simple question. Why aren't minority citizens organizing demonstrations against the Nobel law? Nobody's done it. I think it would be very provocative. Well, now Reverend Al Cockfield on, um, has been on, and he's been yelling and screaming about it. A.R. Bernard has been on, and he's been yelling and screaming about it. But these are people who, who preach in the pulpits every Sunday. And, I, you know, you got to say, look, it's not going to change unless the people rise up. Now, tonight on uh, Common Sense at 9 o'clock on WABC, um, I'm going to explain exactly why Governor DeSantis dropped the 50 migrants on Martha's Vineyard and how it was a brilliant political stroke stolen from Donald Trump. That's the lead story after I get done with my local monologue that I do, you know, right off the top of the hour at nine. Well, the people of Martha's Vineyard panicked. They panicked. Welcome to Martha's Vineyard and now get the hell out. 
Well, I don't care about them. They're pinheads. I love Martha's Vineyard, by the way. Uh, beautiful place. But the people who live there, give me a break. But DeSantis is very shrewd in what he did. And he did it for a reason. And I'll tell everybody about the inside story on this and why it was done. Bill, what do you th- what did you think of President Biden's performance on 60 Minutes? He said some quite a few uh, outlandish claims, I thought. Excellent question by Lydia. Thank okay. God. I get Finally, it. he can agree with me. <laughs> right. Very strange interview. Yeah, very, very strange. If and you don't why. like Biden, he did you hear what he said? It means there is you're depressed, maybe your mental acuity is in, in trouble because of the pandemic. So he, he just seemed to be in total denial about all the problems it's in the country. Not about Biden, Lydia. Oh, this interview was not about Joe Biden. It was about Scott Pelley in 60 Minutes. All right. So I'm not going to accuse them of making a deal because I don't have any evidence to back it up. But when you have an interview with the president of the United States who has not given an interview in seven months and you do not ask him about the open border, about migrants being flown all over the United States, about violent crime out of control. You don't ask him about drug trafficking at the highest level ever in this country. You don't mention those things. There is something wrong with the interview. Well, I'll give you the other alternative, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Before we we have another minute or so left, Uh, 60 Minutes, New York Times attacking Biden, Getting rid of Biden for the second coming of Hillary. Well, they should have had Leslie Stahl do the interview. She got in the president of Iran's face pretty good. Well, Leslie, I look, I don't know what happened there, but I know Mike Wallace would never have conducted an interview like that ever. And there are deals being made. All right. Deals meaning we won't ask this. We will ask that. Yep. That is verboten to use a German word. In journalism, that interview on 60 Minutes was very strange. Well, what I've been told, that uh, Hillary may do what Bill Clinton did, come center, go against the left, and and uh, you I never know what happens. I disagree, John. She's the only one that can displace She's Kamala. the only one that has the power to say, if she says, screw you Kamala to the left, run. then uh, a lot of Democrats will go with her. How about Michelle Obama? Michelle, oh, God. No, Michelle or Hillary are the only two that can I don't think Michelle's going to do it. And I don't think she'll do it, though. I think they got out clean and she wants to stay out. <laughs> yeah. Bill O'Reilly, if out. you're a respected journalist, I'm a journalist, so are you. You don't even give the subject the questions. Never mind agree to any subjects that they're not willing to talk about. Otherwise, you say, I'm not doing the interview. Am I correct? Yes, with one caveat. You can tell the audience. Mm. Yes. That yep. Uh, we would not have been able to secure the interview if we asked this question. So we felt the interview was worthy, but we agreed not yeah. to ask it. You can do that. That's called full disclosure. Right. But anybody watching that interview last night and Biden looks at Pelley and says the economy's strong. And Pelley has no stats to come back at him. None. Very strange. Bill O'Reilly, I'll be listening at 9 o'clock. The show is going to be great, and that's why you have the highest ratings at WABC at night. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me in. 
And uh, let's take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to have the chief of staff of Mayor Adams to find out what the heck is going on in the city. You're commuting home with Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. We got a full studio tonight. uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, Tony Carbonetti, and Peter King and John Katsimatidis. And first on the line, we have now on the line with us, we have the chief of staff to Mayor Adams here in New York City, Frank Carone. Welcome welcome back to Cats at Night. And Frank, you announced that you want to leave December 31. We need more common sense in city government. Where the heck are you going? John, you know, the the plan – first of all, hello, everyone. Thank you, John, for allowing me and Judge and Congressman and everyone, um, Tony. So, John, you know, the plan when, when I was privileged enough to have the mayor ask me to be his chief of staff, and that was right at the time when he won the primary, and the plan was I would sort of, you know, oversee and uh, transition. Um, I would give him a – through the transition with six months and then another solid year and then move on to, you know, run the campaign. So I made that commitment. That was our plan all along to build the team, you know, create a culture within the team, uh, make sure that we could interact with one another to advance the May's agenda, deal with crises as they, as they come and move the needle on significant projects. So uh, it's time for the, the next, the next phase. I still have three months and, and change. And I'm going to keep my head down and sprint right to the end. And I don't know where I'm going to go after. I'm going to see, spend a little time with my family who I haven't really given meaningful time in a very long time. So that's uh, always been what are we going to do to keep the city safe? I mean, New York City will be back to its old uh, style. All we have to do is those 3,000 criminals, our police commissioner said, uh, are violent criminals and they shouldn't be on the streets in New York. What are we going to do? Yeah, John, you know, we, you, you know, we've been discussing this very often. It's on our mind 24 hours a day. And, you know, we disagree with the legislature on, of course, dangerousness as it relates to bail. But there's other parts of the criminal justice system that we have to focus on. Uh, because our police department, they're really doing a great job. They're, they're making the arrest. They're working hard. They're, they're trying to keep people safe as the best that they can. And we're so proud of them. And it's a great police commissioner. But there's another part to this process, uh, you know, that happens after an arrest. And it's the adjudication component. And we just need to really examine that, look at our discovery laws, and, you know, make sure that they're, they're, they're fairly um, applied and, you know, that there's a speedy trial for all. But you, we do need to focus on the second part of the case, which you don't hear as much about, um, you know, it's the adjudications. I can recall, you know, being a criminal defense lawyer in the, in the 90s where, we, you know, we, we would run from courtroom to courtroom and would negotiate dispositions with the assigned assistant and the judge, and we wouldn't have to get to discovery a little later, provided those cases went to a trial part. Now, that starts in the beginning, and it's a big burden on the, the, on the people, on the district attorneys, and on the judiciary. Um, so we, we have to we really know what to look at. We've convened as many people as we can to put together a summit we're going to have in Gracie to really discuss these issues with the Sixth Amendment right to speedy trial being our North Star. And then we're going to just work towards that. And we really believe that's going to make that a big difference. And you'll hear more on that in the weeks coming. Frank, Frank, it wasn't that easy in the 90s to get the axe man out of jail. You know, I'm obsessed with this. I can't believe this guy didn't spend a night in jail. Yeah, we, we have to. We've we been talking about that internally. And that's something we're going to also look at, uh, Tony. Yeah. 
it's, it's hard because it's one of those things as a New Yorker, you can see your family in that restaurant. It's a fast food place. The kids or someone stopping by, they pick up a burger on the way home, and this happens, and you just look around. There's there's a dozen people in that place that were terrorized. Frank, it's it's Richard Weinberg. There are three things you have to you have to do most respectfully. You have to change the bail law so dangerousness is part of the. Uh, the agenda so a judge can hold somebody in on dangerousness. That's number one. Number two, you have to change the discovery piece, as you've alluded to, and you have to give the prosecution more time to uh, produce the uh, the files because otherwise cases are being dismissed because they can't be processed. Three, you have to change the raise the age law. It raises up to 18. You can't have these kids being in family court. Large numbers of these kids are dangerous. And then the fourth component that Tony and you were just – talking about a guy like this, whether he's criminally capable of an act or not, should be sent to a mental institution for observation under the mental mental hygiene laws. It was just dangerous. Yes, it was Delancey Street. Frank Curron, you said that you were talking about this internally, so I can imagine all of you are also frustrated and outraged to see this guy. I mean, it all started because a girl turns him down and then he whips out a a tomahawk, a hatchet, an axe in the back, in his backpack, and he just goes on a tirade. So what goes through your mind as a city official saying, this isn't my city, this is, and then you guys are getting blamed for it. The mayor, people are blaming the mayor's office. You know, we, we look at being a lawyer and, and all of us being really experienced in this administration, we, we don't, you know, rush to judgment without getting a handle on the facts, on the elements of the case. So we're going to really, Look at that, and we're going to look at it in the context of what I said earlier. How can we, how, what can we do in our span of control besides just make noise, right? We, we, and we can do a lot more than just make noise. We can focus in on what's really, really going to move the needle. And, and I, was, I just wanted to sort of, you know, hitchhike off of what the judge was saying. He, he listed four points. There's a fifth one, and, and it really is, besides what you said, Judge, about the uh, discovery laws and, and the like, it's the judiciary. We have to make sure that we um, have enough judges, uh, and the judges are the ones that we are responsible for appointing, you know, um, have public safety as an integral component of their um, philosophy, and that's something that we pay a lot of attention to. But And then thereafter, what can we do to advocate for that you know, third branch of government, that it, there's it's enough of them to move these cases with the kind of alacrity that could bring them to a conclusion. And if someone is, you know, acquitted and, and, and found not to be guilty, they should go home. Yeah. But Frank, if they are convicted, yeah. they Frank, should be held accountable sentence accordingly. Frank, this is Pete King. Before the time runs out, first of all, I want to give uh, Commissioner Sewell and the NYPD credit for taking so many guns off the street. That's really not being fully noticed. But on the other hand, is there any way that, they, that the proactivity of the cops can be increased? They're doing it with guns. I know there's different restrictions out there, but I think people see the quality of life deteriorating. And uh, if there's some way that cops can be given more more leeway, and I know staying within the Constitution, staying within all the court decisions, but, again, people just don't feel secure, as Tony Carbonetti says. Yeah, so we – thank you, Congressman. So we, we meet every morning, 8 a.m., and we know the police, police commissioner is on those calls, and we talk daily on that call and then thereafter throughout the day – on making sure the cop, the police officers have, uh, you know, city, the backing of city hall. They know that the uh, thing, tools that they need that we're supporting, and we really believe that they're doing an incredible job. Remember, Congressman, the arrest is one component. You do then have the case to deal with, and 
you know, a person is supposed to be innocent to proven guilty, and we all believe in that, it's sacrosanct. So we have to put our attention beyond the policing component. Um, and beyond that, you know, feeling safe is also a feel, right? We, we Our statistics are showing improvements and heading in the right direction. But we also have to make sure we have a clean city, an accountable city, all those things that give that indicia of safety. And it's a feel. But it's not just doing more for the police, we, don't, we really do sincerely believe that they're doing their job. We have to put our attention thereafter. What do we do with the migrants that are coming in? Uh, you know, I wish we had a few more minutes. Um, we got to take a break. Can you stay on for a couple of minutes or, or, or while we take a break? Yeah, or should I'll, we... I'll okay. enjoyed the listen about Power Express. I just want to keep with I want to talk about uh, uh, the uh, migrants coming into the city. Uh, let's take that break, and we'll be back. And Frank Carone still be with us when we get back. WABC Traffic and Transit. We have rain out there, so be careful when driving. GWB inbound up real okay. Lower fine. Outbound heavy. Lincoln inbound 5 to 10. Outbound 20 to 30. Holland inbound okay for the turnpike. Okay from Route 1 to 9. Outbound 15 to 20 minute delays. No major problems on the rails or in the subways. I'm Bob Brown with your 77 WABC Traffic and Transit update. Yes, we have Frank Carone, uh, Chief of Staff to Mayor Adams. And uh, following him, uh, stay tuned. We're going to have Secretary uh, uh, of St- former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. And, uh, and uh, Frank, uh, everybody's upset in New York with uh, these migrants coming in. We're putting them up in, in, in homes. Meanwhile, our homeless have no homes. How, how do you think we can resolve all this? You know, John, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. It's just one of those, you know, moments where we just have to establish leadership. Uh, and I, I just have to say for a moment, I had the opportunity to go down uh, to the Port Authority and greet some of those asylum seekers from Venezuela. And it was a very moving experience to uh, hear their story. You know, leaving a socialist, um, corrupt, violent government, uh, which many of us could identify with. We all have families that have done the same. And you know, showing how that socialist regime failed and is destined to fail, and they, they, they can't make a living, they, they can't vote, vote, elections are overturned, there's no justice. And leaving that socialist corrupt regime coming here, we all could identify with. I'm calling it like an Ellis Island moment. And hearing the story how they traversed the jungles of Venezuela through South America, uh, into Central America and Mexico, and then getting on a bus, we, we've heard some tragic stories where the uh, folks in the border were uh, barcoding them, uh, making them sign waivers without, in a language they don't understand, um, ignoring um, papers where they're here to see their families, um, putting them on a bus, uh, not knowing where they're going in some instances, and not allowing them to get off the bus. And we, we just have to be clear that these are not illegal, undocumented um, folks. These are legal documented assilies that have been giving asylum status. Now, of course, they have to go through the hearing. And it's our job to em- embrace it as best as we can, as we all did with our ancestors. Now, there is a point where, yes, it's, uh, you know, those services become taxed, and that's where we're approaching now. And we're now working with the White House as best as we can in the state to figure out an appropriate strategy. Understood. Um, but we all live this, and we have to just 
be conscious and intentional about We'd it. We'd love to have you on again real soon to, to further the discussion, but uh, Frank Rohn, Chief of Staff to Mayor Adams, thank you so much for coming on, and God bless you, and we God bless our city because we need a blessing. Thank you, John. Thanks, Frank. Same to you. Pleasure. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Thanks. Guys. And uh, now we're, uh, we have or the, we have the privilege of having former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo with us. And uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, that was Frank Carone, Chief of Staff to Mayor Adams. Um, and he makes a, a, a real sympathy uh, uh, situation for some of these people. And I'm sure a lot of them are good people. But uh, we did not get into uh, what percentage of them could be uh, bad people. What say you, uh, uh, Mr. Secretary? Well, it's great to be with you again, John. Uh, I'm I'm confident these are good people, and we all know, uh, I, as a Christian, every human being uh, deserves respect and dignity. And our current border policies don't do any of that. They put these people at risk. The very, the, I heard the end of his conversation with you. Uh, the the very route that these folks took to try to get here risks so many lives. So many of the young women are abused, sexually trafficked. To make it here, it is indecent to have an open border and attract people here to come to the United States, break our laws, to enter our country. Um, I understand that we have to treat human beings with dignity and decency. We ought to do that. But a nation has a right to protect itself, to make sure that we don't have drugs trafficked across our borders and guns and cartels operating and potential terrorists coming across our southern border as well. Not only do we have the right to do that, but we have a duty to those already living here to make sure we get that right. Mike, Mike, this is Pete King, and let me just say at the outset, you did a great job as Secretary of State, CIA Director, and it's a privilege to serve with you on the Intelligence Committee. So thank you for thank all you've done and for your great you're service. Doing well. <laughs> my, my, my question is, I think it's absolutely essential that we stand with Taiwan, but do you think President Biden is handling it the right way? You know, Peter, it's, I don't know, because every time he makes a statement about Taiwan, his team comes out and tells us that that really isn't American policy. <laughs> so I'm, mm-hmm. I must say I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Um, if I'm confused and you're confused, Peter, uh, I am confident that Xi Jinping is confused, too. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for Taiwan. It's dangerous for Japan and Vietnam. We should absolutely stand with the freedom-loving people of Taiwan. We should provide them the tools, the resources, the intelligence, all the things they need to defend their own sovereignty. In the same way I was just speaking about our country, uh, we, we should absolutely do that. We should build out our alliances with the South Koreans, the Australians, the Japanese. We're highly capable of deterring Xi Jinping from uh, committing a uh, aggressive act against Taiwan, we simply need to make clear to him we're going to do that, and then we'll deliver the 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 resolve that will get the deterrence that we need. Secretary of State, the last time you were on with us, John, you asked such a poignant question, and it really stuck in my head. What keeps you up at night these days? Oh goodness, uh, you know, last night I saw someone running for mayor of L.A. finally admit that there was a crime problem. Wow. <laughs> after, after she had her home broken into. Mm. Um, I, I must say, when I've been traveling these last oh, six, eight, ten weeks, I've heard stories from so many people. I had someone on my own staff in Washington, D.C., who was mugged about a week ago. Uh, th- this problem is real. It is serious. And when you live in fear, when you when you go to bed at night, and you don't know if your kids are safe or you don't know if you can have, if they can walk to school or, or go play with their friends in the neighborhood – that is a that that is deeply un-American. It's inconsistent with how we have been for so many years, and we've got to support all our law enforcement officers, the local folks in the cities, the county sheriff's offices, all our state officials, to make sure they have the. That's why they always say all politics is local. It's Tony Carbonetti. How are you? 
Amen, Tony. It's the, true. You, we, first, first rule is keep everyone safe. The guy that was in charge of foreign policy is worried about the safety in our streets, and that's how people vote. And that's why John keeps saying, common sense, we're going to take back the House, hopefully take back the Senate, and then we take back the well, presidency. You need a balance of power in Washington because right now it's not about left-right. It's about a balance of power to make sure it doesn't <clears throat> run away. Now, there was a rumor today that uh, the uh, border uh, people are fixing up uh, the uh, the walls. Have you heard, anybody hear about that? No, I just saw that there was a record number of encounters at the border. No, no, no. They're, they're, that they're, oh, they're, they're, have you heard that, Mr. Secretary? No, that's the first I've heard that, John. Hmm. I think that might have came in from, uh, oh, we got uh, John Solomon right after this, and uh, and I think he, he... We'll have Solomon talk about that. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Secretary, Customs and Border Protection reported 203,000 encounters in August alone. That brings the total number of illegal crossings to 4.4 million under... President Biden, and that's not including the approximately one million gotaways. Who do you think, Mr. Secretary, is actually running this country? I was watching that 60 Minutes interview with President Biden. Sometimes he seemed lucid, but sometimes he seemed delusional talking about, you know, inflation isn't a problem. He did say the pandemic was over. Then, of course, he mentioned Taiwan. But at this point, is the White House not getting it, or are they just kind of feeding this propaganda and lies to the American people, hoping that they'll believe the, the, they'll believe this garbage, or what's going on? I think they think they can fool a whole lot of folks by telling stories that we know to be not true, right? We saw the vice president the other day that say that that number, 4 million people, uh, came across, and yet she said, quote, uh, there's no one walking across our border, end of quote, right, that, that our border is secure. I mean, goodness gracious, I'm from the state of Kansas, 3 million people in the entire state of Kansas. So uh, one and a third times that many in just an 18-month period have come across. Mr. Secretary. Go go ahead. Yes, John. No, (laughs) Judge Weinberg. Mr. Secretary, it was nice seeing you last night. I want to say to you, I'm very concerned about them pushing for the Iran deal. What do you say about that? How can that be stopped? Uh, Goodness. If the American people rise up, most members of Congress from both parties, I don't even think it's political, I think the giving uh, the Iranian leader, who, by the way, is coming to your city there in New York this week, uh, the butcher of Tehran, who's killed hundreds of Americans, still threatening to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, trying to kill me, too. That guy's coming to New York City because this administration won't stand up to an Iranian regime intent on building a nuclear weapon. Uh, this is this is truly dangerous. It's dangerous for our friends and allies. Uh, we can stop it if we will have the American people and political leaders demand that President Biden walk away from what will be a really crappy deal. Mike, whether or not people. the Biden administration can fool the American people, are they fooling foreign leaders? What kind of respect do the leaders of Russia and China and go down the list? And what kind of respect do they have for the Biden administration? Uh, sadly, Peter, I think they see the same thing so many Americans do. They see confusion. They see weakness. Uh, they don't see an America that's prepared to to stand with its friends and do the right thing on commitments we've made or to punish our adversaries if they behave in ways that put the American people at risk. Uh, I think I think America's place in the world, uh, certainly from, what now, 13 months ago in August when we had 13 Americans killed in a debacle in our departure from Afghanistan, I think the world saw that, and I don't know that our reputation has recovered from that. Mr. Secretary, we have one minute. What do you want to tell the American people? You know, John, I, I always remind folks I did – work on national security matters for four years. Uh, it was an incredible blessing. We were able to deter the bad guys from doing lots of things that put the American people at risk. Uh, but my biggest concern is right here at home. If we continue to uh, let the teachers unions drive 
messages in our schools to teach our kids that this is a uh, nation that was founded on a racist idea uh, and that America is not a great country. Uh, our republic is at enormous risk. We got to get that right. We got to teach our kids the good stuff: reading, writing, arithmetic. And Couldn't reading. agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you, Mr. Secretary, and uh, good luck in your endeavors. Uh, there's rumors around that you want to run for president, and uh, you never know what happens uh, uh, when uh, you know in life. And God bless you. So you couldn't have a better choice, than Mike. That is so true. Mike, we couldn't have a better choice than you. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back with uh, John Solomon to Just the News. Common Sense Recap of the Big Stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. With us today is John Solomon from JustTheNews.com. And he's always got some interesting stories. John, it's UN week. Everybody's in town. What the heck is going on in Washington? <laughs> well, one thing they're not talking about Iran in town, uh, despite all of the growing evidence of Iran's malintent with the United States, whether it's cyber attacks. Last week, we had a major indictment of Iranian hackers or attacks on U.S. soldiers. Uh, no one in Washington is talking about Iran, even though the Iranian president and his entourage will be heading to U- the U.N. later this week. Uh, but people are talking about this uh, today. President Biden's interview last night was 60 Minutes. Two big headlines one of them, uh, political, President Biden said he's not ready to decide whether he's going to run for re-election in 2024. That was a headline got a lot of attention. I'm going to give you the one that may be more consequential. Last night, he declared that the pandemic is over, and I think most Americans would agree with that. But when President Biden said that, it could come with a legal consequence. Why? His entire legal justification for canceling the billions of dollars of student loans came under the idea that he was using pandemic emergency authority to uh, do something that Congress had not given him the permission to do. If the president says the pandemic's over, one could assume that his emergency powers are also over. A lot of people, including small business group Job Creators Network, said this could become a major part of their lawsuit to challenge uh, the student loan cancellation. That came out of the interview. A lot of people aren't talking about it, but it is going to create a lot of news in the courts in the next couple of weeks. Several groups thinking of suing to block that. The president might have gave them some fodder for their lawsuit. Finally, uh, more than a dozen Republican senators are asking Merrick Garland, the attorney general, to uh, take the U.S. attorney who's been investigating Hunter Biden for four years and upgrade him to a special counsel status, meaning he can't be meddled with by the Biden Justice Department. That letter went out this morning. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, Tell us, uh, are we getting any closer to getting justice for all? (laughs) <laughs> well, there's a lot of people in Washington that think it's going in the opposite direction. A lot of concerns about the recent uh, wave of subpoenas only to uh, conservatives and Republicans aligned with uh, President Trump. Um, about 40 subpoenas and search warrants and phone seizures have occurred in the last 10 days. A lot of people saying that seems like a disproportionate focus on conservatives. Um I think it's going to take a lot more than that. Last week, we had a really interesting story. Many prominent voices, including the former intelligence chief of the FBI, the likely House Republican chairman of the Judiciary Committee, should uh, Republicans take over next year, all talking about creating a new church committee. For people who don't remember, the church committee was the 1970s investigation that exposed the abuses of the J. Edgar Hoover FBI and the CIA led to widespread reforms that kind of put new guardrails that protected civil liberties. People, uh, prominent voices in the left, the right, and from the FBI itself, starting to embrace the idea that that may be needed 
in order to uh, return American confidence in the FBI in the aftermath of all we've learned in the Russia case and other things like it, like um, the failure to protect the young women Olympians uh, when the FBI booted the first or bungled the first part of the sexual assault case. So cases outside of politics also raising concerns about the FBI right now, John. Well, I mean, every American, uh, John, wants equal justice for all. Every American, I think, I believe, wants one vote for every uh, uh, one citizen. The Democrats, and I don't understand this because I stand for both sides. I try to be reasonable. The Democrats in Martha's Vineyard in New York are panicking. Washington, D.C., they're panicking (laughs) when when they ship over... Uh, a few hundred, a few thousand, one thousand uh, migrants, they're panicking versus they expect yeah. two million uh, between uh, uh, Texas and, uh, and New Mexico and Arizona. I mean, you, there's no rationale to this. There isn't. In fact, the only rationale that's been exposed is the Democrats not in my backyard. So... It's okay to be for an open border and widespread illegal migration if it's not hitting your your community. But once it hits your community, all of a sudden they've been called for their hypocrisy. I wrote a fun story about that this morning that's been getting a lot of sharing. I'm going to give you another one. This just happened a little bit ago. Uh, remember Joe Biden during the debate. We're not going to build another inch of that border wall. Well, guess what? The Customs and Border Patrol agency says it's about to begin a major border wall construction project. They're calling it a repair project. But the repairs are to close gaps in the wall, meaning places where they hadn't finished building the wall. It's a nice euphemism for resuming some of the border patrol, border wall construction that Donald Trump had pushed and Joe Biden said would never happen on his watch. Well, now it's going to happen. CPB confirming that today. The hypocrisy, the double standard. So is there some uh, common sense coming around? Some? Well, maybe desperation is a better word. I think the CPB is so exhausted by its inability to protect the border that uh, they're getting this. This is what they're calling it, the border barrier remediation plan. In other words, the border wall construction, but uh, maybe a little and, bit, and, but I think and, it's and done the, out of con- Secretary exhaustion. of Homeland Security, what's his position? Because he's been, <laughs> yeah. you know, asleep at the wheel. Well, his position is the border is completely secure. The only problem is if you interview those migrants who've been bused to Kamala Harris's home in Washington or to Martha's Vineyard or to New York City or to Washington, D.C. or to Chicago, you know what they say? Oh, we walked right across the border. No one stopped us. So even the border migrants are calling bunk on our Homeland Security Secretary. Uh, This little uh, construction project, I think, is really driven by the custom Border and Protection Agency, they're exhausted. They know they can't protect the border. They're begging for some help, and I think they got a little concession, but it comes with a bit, a bit of political blowback because Joe Biden said no more construction on that wall. Now they're going to be some. John Solomon, thank you for, for, for telling the truth to the American people, and thank you always for just being there and speaking out. And uh, let's catch up again real soon. I would like that, John. Thanks so much. And now on the line, we have Ray Tierney. He is the Suffolk County District Attorney. And I know we're running out of time. We will have you back again, Ray Tierney. I know the the main objectives of your office right now are gangs, gun violence, as well as opioids. We're seeing the drug crisis spiraling out of control throughout the country. What are you seeing in Suffolk County? Well, I think we're seeing the same thing that that we're seeing across the country, which is, uh, you know, fentanyl and other dangerous drugs are are, uh, pouring over the border and they're having an effect in uh, communities 
all across the country, not not only Suffolk County. Ray, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. How are you? Hey, how are you, Judge? So I'm very concerned. They keep saying the border is secure, yet you and I know that they're flying people in to New York and then they're moving them out to to Long Island. And what can you do about it as the DA of, of Suffolk County? Well, unfortunately, uh, my jurisdiction doesn't extend to uh, immigration, um, which is, you know, which is a federal issue. But, you know, absolutely. And, and you know, the sad part about it is there, you know, these um, the, the immigrants are flooding into uh, Brentwood and it, it's really, um, you know, adversely affecting the ability for, uh, you know, the, the members in Brentwood uh, to educate their children because, uh they're, they're, they have no ability to sort of predict uh, how many how many uh, immigrants are co- going to come in. So class sizes uh, are being you know affected, and uh, the ability for our children here to be educated is is uh, compromised. But the problem is that uh, the gang violence in Long Island was under control. And now we don't know who these people are who are coming in. And most of the gang members, correct me if I'm wrong, Ray Tierney, come in as unaccompanied minors that we're seeing in MS-13. Are you concerned about another resurgence happening on Long Island just when Congressman King and Trump and, of course, you, all of you guys got it under control and it looks like it it could come back again? Well, absolutely, because, uh, you know, that was what happened initially. Uh, And I was a federal prosecutor. I I prosecuted uh, about... 60, 67 or so uh, murders, MS-13 murders, mm-hmm. and the perpetrators of those uh, mur- murders, the vast majority of them, came into this country as unaccompanied minors. And at the time, you know, we were told that uh, these groups were being vetted, but, uh, of course, we know that they so, weren't being so, vetted. So where are they housed? When they come in as unaccompanied minors, where are they supposed so norm- to be housed? Well, normally what will happen is they'll they'll say – um, uh, they'll they'll either be sent to uh, Brent. They'll they'll be asked, do you have family anywhere? Do you have people that you can stay with? And uh, then they'll be sent to that area. But the problem is, especially back in you know 2015, there was such a, a pro, uh, such a big uh, gang problem in on Long Island. The gang members were saying, yeah, we have I have relatives uh, in Brentwood or in Central Islip, and then the, the federal government would send them. To their to their gang brothers in those communities. So, an eighteen year old gang member can take custody of an unaccompanied minor. Um, well, the the uh, what we found in our investigation was that the, the the people that were claiming that they were going to take care of these kids weren't taking care of these kids, and they would essentially become uh, orphans to the gang, which was quite disastrous. Terrible. Right, because they're left without any support whatsoever, and another point that we've been talking about is the gang members, they usually kill people within their own community, the Hispanic community. So that's why this is so frustrating, because, you know, you have the Democrats or whatever you want to call them say, hey, you know, we're trying to protect our people, but it's those very progressive policies are hurting the people they're claiming to protect in the first place. Absolutely. They're there. You know, Brentwood is a is a is a great community, a vibrant community. It's made a tremendous rebound. But any community can't can't withstand you know a tremendous amount of people being dumped on them uh without warning well thank you so much ray tierney that that music means we're running out of time we will have you back on john katz had to leave a little early so did congressman king tony carbonetti thank you so much judge thank richard you. weinberg what do we stand for truth justice justice and american, american way. way god bless new york and god bless america 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.